reports direct from Melbourne courtside and from our offices in New York City. It's the Australian Open edition of the Tennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hey everyone, welcome again to the Australian Open podcast. I'm Ed McGrogan from New York talking with Steve Tigner in Melbourne. Uh, thanks for hanging around. We missed the past couple because some of the men's semifinals just ran so long, really time just became an issue there. Uh, but in today's match where it was the uh, women's final, Victoria Azarenka just crushes Maria Sharapova 6-3, 6-0. This was a case where the match uh, was really hardly longer than many of the sets we just watched in those epic men's semifinal matches. This was just a totally one-sided affair. Yeah, it was really strange to come into this match after the marathon of last night. Um, this one was kind of refreshing, frankly. Um, but Azarenka, you know, I think once she got once she got started, got over her nerves at the beginning. She said she was super nervous coming out there, and um, you know, at the very beginning, we started to I started to think of a couple past Slam debuts that hadn't gone so well: Ivanovic at the French Open and Safina here. But fortunately for Azarenka, Sharapova gave her a couple points in the third game, and then Azarenka just took it from there. She'd been, you know, this was sort of a culmination of of a long period of, of improvement for her in, in this tournament. All the things that she's been doing well, you know, sporadically, through, you know, through this through this period as she's been getting better, things like returning serve really well down the middle, which has been her thing. She just did that extremely well today on some important points, uh, just taking over points, but but in a controlled way, keeping her head out there. All of that came together. And as and for Sharapova, she was just sort of left to try almost to overhit to try to keep up with Azarenka in the second set, and, and she couldn't do it. She said afterwards she she overdid it, and you know Azarenka was just better in, in every part of this every part of the game. Yeah, it, and this also marks the the fourth consecutive uh, time in a major that a uh, woman who hasn't won a Slam has won one. Now we had started with Lee at Roland Garros, he had Kvitova at Wimbledon. Um, Stows with the U.S. Open, and now um, Azarenka here in Australia. Uh, it's like the breakthrough slam I like to call. It just got completed tonight. Um, it, it's, it, I guess, it speaks to kind of how the landscape is right now on tour. Maybe it, it's maybe this experience thing is sort of overrated in a sense because all these champions that were beaten in these finals, Sharapova a couple times, Serena at the Open, they all go down. Um, and I, I guess you know it, it opens up a lot of debate as to whether this is really, really a good thing for the WTA. But I, I will say one thing in that, uh, you know, we, we're getting off on the year with a, a new number one now, and she just won, you know, she didn't just win this tournament. She just won Sydney the week before, which was also a stacked event. So it, it does seem to make a more at least convincing case that, you know, there there could be, this could be really a, a sign of, of things to come here, even though, you know, the landscape is still sort of muddied and it goes from week to week, month to month. Yeah, I think you've got a couple good things here. First of all, you've got a, a number one player who has won a Grand Slam, which has been a big deal for people, uh, much, you know, much more legitimate. Uh, you've also got two players at the very top, Azarenka and Kavitova, who were young, so you get this sort of, well, you know, now there's, maybe there's finally a new generation establishing themselves. And I think with Azarenka, you get a player, you know, even though we've talked about Kvitova as being, as being the beginning of a new generation, she, we always knew she was extremely erratic. Uh, whereas Azarenka, 
she it feels like she's her progress has been slow, steady. She's not as erratic a player um, as Kvitova, especially now. So you sort of feel like she's going to be in contention, and you can kind of rely on her. I mean, we've said that about a lot of the WTA, WTA players, but you feel like Azarenka has really has really um, she's going to be somebody that's going to continue to be a strong presence you know, at the very least. Yeah, that uh, that Kvitova Azarenka duo there. I, I think that's what a lot of people may want to see develop into something. We'll, we'll see if that happens here. It was obviously, uh, you know, they had the potential to down in Melbourne, but uh, you know, it's just a great effort from Azarenka overall. You know, not only getting to her first slam final, but winning it, and you know, no one would have guessed it was going to happen like this. Um, you know, on the on the men's, the other final that comes up tonight. You know, this is a top two that, uh, you know, has established a rivalry for a long time now. It only intensified last year when Novak Djokovic beat Nadal six times, all six times in finals, all huge events. And the last two came at slams, and now it's going to be the third Grand Slam final in a row where they're going to meet. Um, Let's just, you know, kind of start with how do you think really this is going to play out? Because I, I think you can... You can certainly make make great cases for both guys, but uh, that big six zero is going to be the number that's going to be hanging over this. Yeah, I think it's until proven otherwise. Djokovic has to be the favorite, uh, judging by you know ever since Key Biscayne say through the clay court events, then at Wimbledon, and even at the U.S. Open, I think a lot of people favored Nadal going into those finals. Um, I remember at Wimbledon he came off a great match against against Andy Murray, and Djokovic seems a little shaky uh, in, in coming in, at least not on a complete roll, and then Djokovic just killed him. So so you think, well, maybe Nadal has, has got something going here. He just beat Federer and was pretty impressive. Djokovic has had his breathing problems. He just struggled. He struggled in three matches and really struggled against Andy Murray, um, and he's coming, coming in with less rest, but still, I still, still think having watched so much of their tennis in the last year and just seeing Djokovic not be hurt by Nadal and not even seem particularly worried about playing Nadal most of the time. And also, this is a court that Djokovic likes a lot, a slow, hard court that he's won on twice. And it's apparently supposed to rain tomorrow, which maybe bring the roof into play, and Nadal has not a has never been had a great record indoors. So you put all of that together, um, and I think you have to go with you have to go with Djokovic. Of course, Nadal, you know he's still he's still a fighter, and I think it's still going to be a really good match. I think so as well. Yeah. Uh, last thing, because we you know didn't get to uh, Federer and Murray in the last two days of podcasting, but just kind of wanted your take on where you think their years go from here. I, I think a lot of people thought that Federer's loss to Nadal, and I sort of agree with this in a way, um, it really kind of puts him at a sort of like a reality checkpoint in that he, he wins all these matches. He wins every match after the U.S. Open, which um, 25 matches long stretches over a bunch of events. And when, you know, when the stakes are at their highest here against Rafa, you know, a opponent that's always troubled him, but, but really it's now been... Djokovic and Nadal that you know, have stopped him really late in events and everything. You just kind of wonder where 
Federer goes from here, he, he always has seemed to keep this motivation going. I think it's surprised a lot of people already what he's been able to do holding that all-time title record. I'm so wondering your thoughts on, on Federer and then for Murray as well, where I think, you know, generally speaking, most people thought it was such a good showing by Murray, and obviously he could have won the match if a couple points went the other way. Yeah, I think you start with this, this tournament really shows that the top two guys are a new sort of rivalry, new duo. We've sort of known that, but this is the third straight final they'll play. It's the seventh straight Grand Slam final that one of them has been in. And now, last year, Djokovic beat um, Federer in two of the semis at the slams. And now Nadal has done it. So it's sort of Federer has been put back behind both of them at the majors. Um, you know, I don't know where he goes from here. It's not until... You know, it's kind of a long time until you feel like he's going to threaten again. He made the finals of the French Open last year, but you, you don't feel like that's his best event. Um, he came out of this match, he seemed pretty positive about things. He, you know, it's a particularly bad matchup, and, 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 and um, Nadal is just, you know, I don't think losing to Rafael Nadal at this point is going to, is, is a setback, is going to crush him. It's his 18th loss to Nadal. But, um, but yeah, it does kind of, you know, that, that run, again, just like last year, at the end of the year is, is sort of um, shown for what it was, which is, you know, you know, not quite at the top of the game, not, not slam-worthy. As far as Murray goes, a lot of people thought that he made a huge step yesterday. I think he made, I think he made a, a good step. I don't think, I personally didn't think it was proof that he's going to win a Grand Slam someday, which is what a lot of people are saying. I think still when he got the lead two sets to one, he didn't react well. He, you know, he immediately, you know, he didn't seem like the same player in a way, and he let that four set go. And Nadal even said today, if you're going to beat Djokovic at the Australian Open, you can't have a set like that at that point. And then at the very end, the one positive thing was, was the way he came back from 2-5 to 5 all. I didn't expect that at all. That was a completely different Andy Murray when he broke Djokovic at 3-5 at love, it was, it was like, you know, suddenly there was real positive energy, and it really translated into some of his best tennis and showed you what he can do, but then he eventually lost anyway, so I, I would say it's one good step, but I'm not so sh I'm not necessarily going to say this proves that Andy Murray is going to win a Grand Slam. Yeah, well, there's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff to look ahead to with the, these top four, as always. But I think this tournament just proved that even more. And you know, the next next part of it is you know tomorrow, Djokovic and Dahl for the title. So we'll see how it goes. And uh, once again, thanks for listening, Tennis.com podcast. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.